Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Go to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so what's been going on with you this week we're actually recording on a sunday again because it is summertime and our schedules are jacked so here we are on a sunday again well luckily we won't have to deal with that for too much longer yeah (laughs) the the um baseball season wraps up on the 27th of this month so a little over two weeks away, so after that, things should settle down to to be much more normal, uh, as our listeners, I'm sure, are accustomed to for the uh, fall and winter months. Yeah. <laughs> but um, other than that, uh, I guess the the most exciting news is that the Parker Syndrome has almost made it into its first festival. Fantastic. So I got this email a few days ago. I'm actually pulling it up right now. My computer's being a little slow, but it said um, I was selected as a semifinalist in the Central Florida Cinefest Festival, and I will find out no later than August 15th if it is an actual selection. Wow, that's close. I got my... Even if I'm only a semifinalist, the Parker Syndrome has its first laurel, so I have... (laughs) I have added it to the poster, and submitting to film festivals are like a drug. I told you, once you start getting those laurels, you're just like, where can I, I need another laurel. So it's funny because I was actually talking with Steve a few days ago, and I told him about the festivals that I had submitted it to, and then he's like, I think I'll submit to those too. <laughs> so he submitted to more. <laughs> Uh, and Servia is going to have so many laurels, you're not even going to be able to like actually see the poster anymore. Well, I told him that if he ever makes it to 50, that I'm going to create a laurel that just has Servi listed instead of the festival name, and under Servi it will put I'll put all of the festivals. Yeah, <laughs> and he can just use that for any type of promotional material he wants. If it hits 50 festivals, that's got to be some kind of uh, a record. It's insane, you know. The it's been now over two years since we filmed it, and it's still it's still making a run at yeah, festivals. No. I mean, we we filmed it what like almost four years ago, <laughs> like a little over like it, what two years ago now. Yeah, we filmed it in June of seventeen. Wow. Funny enough, I know Steve's, it, nothing's been officially announced yet, so I don't want to jump the gun on it, but he is working on doing a screening here in town next month. Cool. That if, if that happens, there may be a, a double feature, if you know what I mean. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to be there for that. I, I told him that, because he had mentioned doing a Q&A, I told him for old time's sake, if he wants, I'll wear a wig and the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 uh i'll at least wear the shirt I, i'll i'll think about the wig but yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll break out the shirt for it uh, you might be able to find a good wig now with all the uh the spirit stores opening up soon might be able to find you a good long hair wig yeah it's true 
That is very true. God, Halloween's almost here. That's crazy. I can't wait. I love Halloween. I can't wait for cooler weather. This, uh... It's so freaking hot. It's ridiculous. So last Thursday, once a year, we do the Blue Wahoos do this field renovation. Like we renovate a little league field somewhere in the areas. One of our community relations deals that we do. Mm -hmm. It was so hot. (laughs) I don't know why we do it in August. Like after because we were out there, we started around 930 or so. An hour in, I'm already drenched in sweat. Dude, I know. It was like, ridiculous. My air conditioner in my apartment hasn't turned off in like a month. <laughs> my power bill is like over double what it usually is for the last like two months, two, three months. It's That's ridiculous. what sucks about the summer. Yep. I hate it. Power bill is always like my, my power bill will be so cheap from like October to March. Oh, I know. <laughs> and then April to September is it's brutal. I want to live somewhere where there are actual seasons. I wonder what that's like. Somewhere maybe like the Carolinas. I could see them having seasons. Yeah. I I've never experienced actual seasons before. It, living it on on the coastline here, it's either boiling hot or freezing cold. It, there's never any like in between perfect weather to stay indoors exactly and play video games yeah exactly which is what we talk about on this podcast among other things but speaking of video games we got some news to get to would you like to get to it now yeah let's do it let's do that From NintendoLife.com, a self um, let's see, uh, a collector uncovers nearly 200 animation cells from classic Super Mario Brothers cartoons. A self-proclaimed collector who goes by the Twitter handle, good lord, at Max six four six four six four six four six four. Could you pick a better Twitter handle than that? That please? screams troll. Ugh. That absolutely screams troll has acquired a box of nearly 200 animation cells from the original Super Mario Bros. Super Show and Super Mario Bros. 3 cartoons. Uh, Here's what he's had to say about his lucky findings, uh, along with some photos. The secret's out. I have acquired a box close to 200 of Super Show and SMB3 animation cells. These have been thought to be gone, but 30 years later, they have been found thanks to me. I just still have to wait for them to arrive and go through everything that is being sent. Uh, and then, of course, there's a bunch of pictures here of the actual cells themselves, which I would love to have some of these. I love animation cells. So what do you think about this? Like, I, It doesn't say like where they came from or who had them or how he acquired them. It's just this dude just says he has them. Well, I've always found this stuff to be really fascinating. And, you know, when I found this story earlier today, you compare old school animation to now where everything now looks computer animated and whatnot. But you take these old school cells and they just look really cool. They're yeah. they're relics from a different time. And, and say what you will about the Mario Brothers Super Show and how cheesy it was and everything, but... This is a cool find. I especially love the Bowser one. I'd yeah. love to get my hands on that one. <laughs> that is cool. And I love looking at, at 
you know, these old animation cells, especially up close, because then you can see like the brush strokes and all the little imperfections in them and everything. And you see what they actually look like, like hand painted. And it's just, it's really cool. And it's something that they don't make cartoons like this anymore. I, I just, it's something that's never going to happen again. Well, I use the analogy of animation. I compare it to something like cooking. You know, if, if cooking is automated, you know, yeah, it'll still taste great. But if you cook something yourself, you know, you might take a dish and add something to it that's not in the original recipe or you might yeah. slightly decrease something or increase something. So it, it adds that little bit of an individuality to it. Yeah. And I, I think the same thing is is with animation. You know, I, I think the... You know, the modern CG style, it looks great. But there's something to be said about the old school animation that has, you know, its own flaws. Like, you go back and watch the old cartoons from the 80s and even into the early 90s. They have flaws in them, but they're they're part of the charm of those old school type things. You know, and I've done animation before using Toon Boom and things like that. And you can still do... 2D animation like this now, but like like you were talking about, it's all done in like Toon Boom, uh, things and programs like that. You just don't get that uh, that you know that hand painted look with the flaws and all that stuff. It's all done in the computer, so it's flawless. And yeah, it looks good, but I don't know. It just doesn't have that. I don't know. It doesn't have that same personality that cartoons used to have when we were kids, even bad cartoons. And, <laughs> you know, like you go back and look at things like Dungeons and Dragons. Like, yeah, it was kind of a bad show, but still like it. I don't know. It just had that hand painted quality to it. And there was just something special about that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So uh, this Mr. Mac six, four, <laughs> six four six four six four six four six four. You're obviously a troll, which I, in a way, I give you credit for. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was a cool find. Very cool find. Yeah. But our next story comes to us from GameFragger.com. Activision has seen great success from its video game remasters and teases to stay tuned for more. As of late, Activision has released multiple remasters of some classic video games like Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy and the Spyro Reignited Trilogy. During an earnings call which recently took place, Activision bosses discussed the results of their latest quarter. According to Bobby Kotick, the CEO of the publishing company, their remasters have proven to be great successes. He specifically touted the success of the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, stating that it had sold over 10 million copies. That's crazy. He praised the efforts of the teams behind the remasters and mentioned that players have responded positively to them before teasing to stay tuned for further announcements. He said, I'd say, for example, if you look at the Crash Insane Trilogy, that one sold through over 10 million copies so they're obviously having a big impact on our bottom line and a real impact there but i'd say what's really important is that it's reaffirming the enduring nature of these franchises for us and as you mentioned when you look at our ip library we think there's a lot of ip in there the fans are going to want to experience again so now what i'd say is stay tuned for some future announcements i'm excited for this i love this time right now because especially with I kind of feel like it really started with, um, you know, the uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake kind of jump-started this whole remaster boom. We're in, we're, we're, actually, I, don't, I, th- I think we're just st- getting started 
with the remasters. And there are so many games from back in the day that deserve a remaster and to be discovered again by a whole new generation that I am excited for all these remasters. I hope Rare was listening to this. Yeah. (laughs) Come on, Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, man. I mean, I think even if you were to make a new Crash Bandicoot that isn't gimmicked like the more recent ones that came out, if it's made in the same style as the original three, Mm. and I would even say the same for Spyro, I think they would sell extremely well because as we've seen with the 10 million copies for Crash, nostalgia sells. Yeah. And those games were extremely popular back in the 90s. I would love to see Konami bring back some stuff, like take the, uh, the, the original Castlevania for NES and give it, you know, a really slick makeover and ha- keep the same, uh, you know, gameplay, the same structure of the game. Just give it a modern update. Uh, like, how awesome would that be? Oh, that'd be amazing. And that I guarantee you that would sell. Yeah, it would be awesome if and that Star happened. Star Tropics and uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja. I'm, Every let's just take everything from the eighties and nineties and just remake it. Yeah, I mean that's it's just the culture that we live in is that people from who grew up in the eighties and now even into the nineties, they want to relive those classic moments again. Yep. And, I, and if they a new crash would be great. That that'd be a day one purchase for me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see, what's some other stuff that we would like to see remade? Like, like I said, I would love to see, you know, an updated Star Tropics, bring that franchise back. Um, what else could they do? Something that's kind of was left back, back in that era. I'm trying to think of Super Nintendo titles. Yeah. What if they did like a Super Metroid? Um, Ooh, that'd be sick. Yeah. Like Let's do an see. F-Zero update or... Um, F-Zero would be good. I'd love to see some of the more obscure uh, RPGs from the Super Nintendo era. Like, I mean, yeah. obviously I'd throw Earthbound in there, but like Secret of Mana, Illusion of Gaia, Secret of Evermore. Even if you were to do a true sequel or remake of Mario RPG... Yeah. I mean, they the spiritual sequel was Paper Mario. And it's Paper Mario is a good game, but... It didn't, to me, quite have that same magic of the Mario RPG for Super Nintendo. And, yeah. You know, I went back and played it recently, and it still holds up. It's still great. So if you were to do, you know, a slicker-looking version of that game, or even another one where you bring back all the characters, I think would be awesome. Yeah, because I, like I said, like with Castlevania, the original, you know, with the success of Castlevania on... Um, on Netflix and with uh, Bloodstained was so popular. I think they're just missing out by, I mean, they're leaving money on the table by not re-releasing and remastering like the original Castlevania games. What do you, the listeners think? Yeah. Let us know what you think. What would you want to see remastered? Yeah. Write us at NerdCaveRetro on Twitter or NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com and let us know what games you would love to see get a modern update. Absolutely. And uh, for our last story, this comes from GameSpot.com. 
Nintendo Switch's online free NES games for August revealed, and one is incredibly rare. Um, oops, sorry. Can you hear that? Yes, I can. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> so no worries. Cough. I forgot my phone was still hooked up to the computer. Uh, let's see. Um, Nintendo has revealed the next batch of NES titles coming to the Nintendo Switch's online service. This month adds another pair of legacy games to the system's slowly expanding NES library, one of which has never been officially re-released before. August's free NES titles are the co-op's beat-em-up Kung Fu Heroes and the action game Vice Project Doom. The latter is particularly notable as it hasn't appeared on any other console since it first appeared on NES in 1991, making this its first official port in nearly 30 years. And, of course, you can see a trailer for the upcoming games. And both of the titles will join the service on August 21st, bringing the system's NES software count up to 48. Um, so what do you think? Have you ever, Did you ever play Vice Project Doom? I actually have a copy of Kung Fu Heroes that I was going to uh, uh, review. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I've actually never heard of Vice Project Doom. Really? But... You know, I, I think it's really cool that a game that surprisingly hasn't been ported anywhere else, like no other incarnation of the virtual console, which there are some like that. But I, I think it's always a big deal when a game resurfaces for the first time in, in forever. And this has been, you know, nearly 30 years. Yeah, so actually, that's a, that's a cool, it's a cool thing. I have a ROM of this game on my computer and I've been playing it a little bit past couple of months <laughs> because now you can I'm, play it on your switch um yeah now and and think uh, it's it's a pretty rare game and um this was one of those kind of later nes titles that started to come out after you know the super nintendo was was dropped and um and, and some of these games like vice project doom is actually a really good game it's just it was kind of overlooked because like i said it, it was kind of late in the the life of the nes which is unfortunate because I feel like any game that was released after the Super Nintendo came out was, I don't want to say irrelevant, but yeah, kind of an afterthought because I, I feel like when you go to a new console, you should go all in on it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm ready to go into this month in video game history. In August of 1976, Fairchild Semiconductor releases the Video Entertainment System, later known as the VES or Channel F, the first video game console to use a microprocessor and cartridges. Let me take a look at this thing. Ooh, look at that. Yeah. That is 70s as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a VCR. It does. I... I I don't know. It looks like a, almost like an eight track or something. I'm looking at the controller now. Yeah, it's just small joysticks. I am trying to figure out what the hell is up with those joysticks, man. It looks like because I see an L on one, and I assume that's an R on the other. So <laughs> you have to have one for each hand. It says that uh, it was $169 in an introductory price. Equivalent to seven hundred and forty-five dollars in twenty eighteen. Yikes! That's a lot of money. Yeah. 
Jeez. I love the wood paneling on this thing, though. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely a product of its time. What is up with the 70s and wood paneling? I don't know. I really don't know, but <laughs> I, I thought this was a cool little find because it's the first video game console to use a microprocessor and cartridges. I mean, yeah. that's, look how long cartridges were around. I mean, you could even make the argument that the Switch is using a version of a cartridge. Yeah. And that's... What, 76, so that's that was a year 43 before, years ago. Yeah, that was a year before the Atari 2600 was released. Man. I wasn't On August 12th, 1981... Go ahead. I said I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> On August 12th, 1981, the IBM personal computer is released for $1,565 U.S. dollars. With 16 kilobytes of RAM, no disk drives, and four color CGA graphics. I did a uh, wow. I did an inflation calculator on this to see exactly how much that would be in today's dollars. Take a guess how much that would be. Uh, forty six hundred. You are really close. It was four thousand four hundred nine dollars and ninety four cents. Jeez. You were really close. That's crazy. <laughs> now, I remember IBM, you know, being a big deal back then because I, I think, if I remember right, from my grandparents' office, they had a um, they had an Apple. And then for school computers, we used IBM. Yeah. And we that always was, used Apple in my, my school. Apple II. Yeah, because that would have been 90. I started kindergarten in 90. So that would have been like 91 to 94. Yeah, when I was in computer classes in, in 94, 93, 94, I don't remember what we were using. I think we were just using Hewlett Packards around then. Ah, uh, the Hewlett Packard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. In August of 1982, Overlooked arcade games are revitalized as ColecoVision launch titles, including Cosmic Avenger, Mousetrap, Ladybug, and Venture. Never heard of any of these, except for Mousetrap. Sounds like the a... next incarnation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I recognize the, the name ColecoVision. You know, yeah. I, I remember it, it being, you know, a, a big thing back then. I never played one. Yeah, I remember the ColecoVisions. I never knew anybody that had one either. I wouldn't mind having one myself. No, it'd be cool to have just as, you know, uh, a collector's item. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have one. We'll probably would never play it, but it'd be nice to have no. one. A nice display item. Yeah. On August 28th, 1987, Konami releases Castlevania II Simon's Quest, the second Castlevania title released for the NES. I'm going to, I was thinking, um, I've done, I've reviewed Castlevania and Castlevania III. I've never reviewed Castlevania II, so I think I'm going to do that this year for uh, the October Halloween Horror Month. Yeah, I got to start thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to do Killer Instinct. For that month. Okay. I figure that that involves werewolves and other horror type things. So it might fall into that category. But no, I'll, I'll have to look at um, horror themed games to do. But 
No, I mean, Castlevania, you know, I've, I've mentioned it several times. It was a, a franchise that I missed out on and then was introduced to it through this show and then the, the really good anime on Netflix that if yeah. you haven't watched yet, you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching it. Hmm. You need to watch it. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. Uh, also, in August of 1989, Nintendo of America introduces Enix's Dragon Warrior franchise to North America. And, of course, I think it was, what, later that year or in 1990 when they did the uh, renew your subscription to Nintendo Power and get a free copy of Dragon Warrior. Was that a thing? Yeah, that's how I got my copy of Dragon Warrior when I was a kid. I renewed my, um, my subscription to Nintendo Power and got it for free. Huh. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, and it's Dragon Dragon Quest, um, or Dragon Warrior, whichever you'd like to call it. Dragon Quest Eleven was released two years ago. Yeah, they're still making them. So it's still still going. Yeah, it's called Dragon Quest in Japan, but it's Dragon Warrior in North America. Yeah. August 23rd, 1991, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System was released in North America. Still one of the best systems ever. I remember, how old would I have turned that year? I would have turned five. And that this was just a few days after my birthday. So I remember getting it as a late birthday gift and just playing hours and hours of Super Mario World. Yeah, I was. It was so what, great. 13, 14. I was 14 when it was released. And man, I was at a... It was at a fever pitch when Super Nintendo was released. I wanted one so badly. Well, I even remember the old commercials. You know, has the NES saying was, now you're playing with power. Yeah. And with the SNES, it was like, no, now you're playing with, with super, super power. power. Yeah. <laughs> everything had to have super attached to it. Yep. Just like with Nintendo 64, everything had to have the number 64 after it. Yeah. It's a good thing they didn't stick with that, because I don't think it would sound good if it was like Mario Odyssey Switch. Legend of Zelda Switch. That just, yeah. it, it wouldn't, that wouldn't fit. Or imagine Legend of Zelda GameCube. Ugh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, two more. We got August 5th, 1995. Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island is released for the SNES. Didn't you review this? Mm-hmm. I remember that. One of the, one of the most underrated Super Nintendo games. It has great reviews, but... I feel like it never really gets talked about because of how good Super Mario World was. Yeah. But Mario World 2 is a really good game unto itself because it, it has a slightly different gameplay to it while still keeping that platformer aspect. Yeah. But it offers a, a unique playing experience for the Mario games. And if you're a Yoshi fan, he takes center stage. So I never played Super Mario World 2. It's kind of a, oh, it's a, great. a tragedy. You definitely should play it. I know I'd I should. love to hear your thoughts on it. It's it's a really good game. I might try to keep an eye out for it and uh, get it here shortly. Yeah, no, you should. And to close us out for this month in video game history, on August twenty fifth, nineteen ninety seven, GoldenEye 007 is released for the Nintendo sixty four. That's a game that needs a re release. Oh man, top five in sixty four game. Yeah. Of all time, easily. So good. I have yeah. so many memories of playing Goldeneye. Same. And funny enough, it wasn't so much as the multiplayer. And I, I did play multiplayer a bit, but it's one of those games that 
it's a straight up adaptation of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with that because the gameplay was so good. Yeah. I, I didn't this, I didn't this... mind that it was just a straight adaptation because a lot of times adaptations will try to do something different and yeah. most of the time it doesn't work. But there was something about this game and it it still you know we we knock the N64 graphics, you know, whenever we bring the console up, but it, this game was just it was just great. Oh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it other than if you're an N64 fan and you can only pick five games to have in your yeah. collection, <laughs> this has to be one of them. Well, everybody always talks about the multiplayer for GoldenEye, and you kind of hit the nail on the head that like that was just part of it. Even just the single-player campaign was great for this game, mm-hmm. and it was just all around just really polished. I mean, it probably looks awful now, but like I said, it deserves... To have a re-release. Absolutely. And um, before we go into our review for tonight, I just want to remind everyone that uh, if you like when we do our extra episodes where we do like a, a commentary track or, you know, a review of an older movie, which we've done a couple times, if you like those, we will do those monthly if you get us back up to the $50 level on Patreon, which you can go to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and uh, pitch, pick which tier works for you. I mean, you can give us just a dollar a month, and you can't beat that with a stick. I mean, it's a buck a month for four episodes that you get for the show. But if you get us back up to the $50 level, you'll get five shows a month. So go ahead over there. Tell your friends if you can't do that. And leave us a review, but if you can afford to throw us a buck a month and enough of you do that, you'll get us back to that $50 level, and we will do those extra episodes for you. I don't know about you, but I like doing those shows. What about you, Derek? Honestly, my all-time favorite episode of this podcast was a you know Patreon-influenced show when we did the Mario Brothers movie commentary. Yeah. <laughs> That was the first time we hit the fifty dollar level, and we did that. And uh, that was a that's to this day is one of our most downloaded episodes, for sure. And to to give a quick shout out to our patrons, we have Axeblade oh seven, Chris Collingwood, and Daniel Salmon. So thank you guys so much. Thank you guys very much. And uh, right now we're going to be talking about. figured that my last review was Captain Skyhawk, a good um, <laughs> flying simulator game. I figured I'd talk about uh, not necessarily a bad game, but definitely not good. Top Gun is a flight combat simulation game developed for the Famicom and NES by Konami and initially published in 1987. It is one of a very small set of games released for the Famicom that was published after the North American NES release. It is loosely based on the film of the same name in which the player controls an F-14 Tomcat fighter through four different missions. 
Um, let's see. The uh, You are the film's protagonist, Maverick, and you have to complete four missions, given a choice of missiles, and starting with a training mission. You are then sent after an enemy aircraft carrier, an enemy base, and finally an enemy space shuttle. The game has two endings. If the player loses but achieves a minimum score of 50,000 points, a still shot is shown of the player being presented the Top Gun plaque that is awarded to Iceman in the film. If the player completes all four missions and successfully lands on the aircraft carrier, a scene is shown of the F-14 taxiing on the carrier and the player waving to the LSO crew. Now, uh, what can I say about this game? Uh, I've been playing it a little bit recently because I picked this up <coughs> at the same time that, uh, that I picked up Captain Skyhawk. This was in that batch of 10 games that I bought for 10 bucks over the, uh, the Easter holiday. And I uh, played Top Gun a little bit. And man, it is not as fun as uh, Captain Skyhawk was. This one actually takes place inside the cockpit um, with a lot of different displays going on. It, it does look cool, and I loved it as a kid. But man, the pace of this game is just really kind of slow. And then actually having to land on the aircraft carrier is still to this day one of the hardest things you will ever have to do in a video game. Did you ever play this game at all, Derek? I did not, but I know just right off the bat, you saying that it's disappointing disappoints me because I love Top Gun. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. And you would think that a game based off of what's essentially one of the most fun movies of the 80s mm-hmm. would be just as fun. But And just hearing you say that it's not that great is just disappointing in itself. And that's the thing. It it bears little resemblance to the actual movie. <laughs> like if there was, if it had a little bit more of a story to it, and maybe you know some some cutscenes with Maverick or something. You know, Maverick and Goose. Like you, like you said, Top Gun is like one of the best '80s movies of you know of all time. I mean, it's up there in the top ten. I'd say top ten best '80s action movies. And I loved Top Gun as a kid, and I was excited to get this game when I was a kid. I got it when it was new on the NES. I think I got it that Christmas. It was Yeah, it was released in November of 87 for the Christmas season. I think that's when I actually got it. And man, this game is just, even as a kid, like, I thought it was okay. But even then, I knew it wasn't that fun. Like, and especially, like, I still don't know how to land onto the aircraft character carrier. I, I I don't know if you've ever wa- seen any of the uh, angry video game nerd uh, episodes, but it was a pretty funny one he did of Top Gun, and he couldn't land it. And then a couple of ep- uh, episodes later, he was d- using the power glove, and he actually landed the plane using the power glove, and it was kind of a, a funny button on that joke. But um, I never played this with the uh, the the power glove or anything. Like I I just I don't know if there's much I can actually say about this game because like like it said right in the, the description it's uh, you take off from the aircraft carrier you shoot down some enemies. Uh, there's a couple of spots in the game where you actually have to um, refuel, which those are hard as shit to do too. Trying to refuel. And then once you get through the the 
dogfighting scenes, that's when you have to land on the aircraft carrier. And I, I think maybe of the hundred times trying to land, I think I maybe landed once on the aircraft carrier. And that's, that's like the, the biggest meme of this game over the last 30 years is that stupid aircraft carrier part. And see, that just takes all the fun out of it. When you make something that's just next to impossible to do, Yeah, it makes it not fun. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. When games that are adapted from other properties, when they try to steer away from what made the, the initial property successful, it doesn't work. If you had used Captain Skyhawk's gameplay for this and you just adapted the actual story, yeah, it would have been a fun game. So much better. It would have been so much better. Um, and I do actually, I remember people saying that um, Top Gun did, did do well enough to get a sequel. Uh, it's called Top Gun The Second Mission, which was released in, uh, let's see, North America in January of 1990. Uh, you're, you're Maverick, and uh, you're, you assume the role of Maverick in an F-14 Tomcat as he is summoned for a new operation Divided into three mission. Uh, let's see. Though not explicitly stated, there's a strong implication that the enemy for Soviet Union. Um, but I have heard from several people that the second mission is a better game than the first one, but it's still kind of the same thing. As not, there's not much different uh, difference from the first game to the second game. It's still you know the cockpit and. And things like I don't know. I just I I just think that Captain Skyhawk was so much better that it Top Gun deserved a better game than what it got. They should make a Top Gun game to coincide with the new movie coming out next year. Yeah, because you could make a really fun, like flying like fighter pilot type game. You absolutely. I I, I would I would buy it. Yeah, I mean I. That just sounds fun. I'd love to play, uh, you know, like Star Wars Battlefront and play like the X-Wing fighter and stuff mm-hmm. and actually change the view to inside the cockpit. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I think that yeah, you got to have the option. Yeah, I think that would be fun to do in a Top Gun game and just make it fun, you know, like and don't make me if you do make me have to to land on an aircraft carrier, give me better instructions on how to do it. And whoever loses or comes in last, they have to sing karaoke style. You've yeah. lost that loving feeling. <laughs> Dude, you could you could totally do that. Turn it into almost like a rock band sort of uh, thing where you have to grab the uh, microphone and sing for part of the game. I would totally be the douchebag that would wear a headset and would just <laughs> sing that the entire time. <laughs> that would be fun, too, to have Top Gun and have it be a uh, multiplayer Type of game oh, yeah. where you dogfight with other people. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'd make t- it happen and then send us our royalty check. Yeah, send us send us our our MFN game check. <laughs> 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 but that's really I, I know this is kind of a shorter review. Um, you know, I did want to do because I talked so much about Top Gun the last episode, I wanted to go ahead and just kind of do a two-episode arc of, uh, you know, flight simulators. A good one and a not-so-good one. And, of course, Top Gun is not so good. It, 
Here's the thing. I actually think it deserves to be in your NES library because it was such a... I don't know. I'm, I, I When I think of the Nintendo, I do think of Top Gun because it was one of those games that everybody had, even though nobody really liked it all that much. Uh, and it says here, uh, the NES version sold over 2 million copies. And that's a lot. Because I pretty much knew everybody. Everybody I knew that had an NES had a copy of Top Gun. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just it's disappointing to hear that you know a, a franchise such so revered like Top Gun couldn't get a good game. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like it's like it's not a bad game. I'm not going to sit here and say it's awful. It's not. It's it's just if you. If you just played Top Gun, you'd be like, oh, okay, this is a pretty good, you know, like this is what the, you could do on the NES as far as flight simulators. But then you go and you play Captain Skyhawk and you're like, okay, they could do a really good flight simulator on the NES. And Top Gun was just, it's just mediocre. Like it's not great. It's not bad. It's just kind of somewhere in the meh range. But That's I think shame. it does deserve to be in your NES library because it is one of those like classic Nintendo games and it looks nice on the shelf. And I would say if you come across it, go ahead and pick up a copy of it. But it's definitely something that you're not going to play all that much. So on a scale of one to ten, I'm going to just give it a five, like right there in the middle. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just meh. That's two bad reviews in a row for us. I know. Next ones, next ones will be good. <laughs> yeah. You know, which speaking of of next review, next week we will be doing our very first GameCube review. Oh. I will be reviewing Pikmin, which was, I believe, it might have been a launch title for the GameCube. Let me look that up real quick. It either was a launch title or came out like a month after the. Um, the release i'm not sure but since you're doing a gamecube game i might go ahead and do the uh, the terminator game that i was talking about uh i'll do yeah. a gamecube game as well for my next review yeah that'd be great no it, i'm i'm excited for it you know it, it's one of those games that i loved when it came out and a few weeks ago i went through and played it again still holds up yeah still great so I'm excited for that, and I will say as a, a follow-up, I reviewed Rocco's Modern Life, Spunky's Dangerous Day last week, and pretty much ripped the game to shreds because it's not good. Uh -huh. <laughs> the The Netflix special came out on Friday, and I watched it. Uh -huh. Very good. Awesome. It's I wouldn't call it overly spectacular. Like I'm not going to say it's the greatest thing I've ever watched, Yeah, but it served its purpose perfectly. It was a really fun nostalgia trip. And the fact that they brought back, you know, all the old voice actors and everything was great, too. So oh, yeah. That's anyone awesome. who has Netflix, definitely watch the new uh, Rocco's Modern Life special. I think I'm going to watch that good. tonight, then. Uh, it's good. And it's only 45 minutes long. Oh, so cool. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not long at all. It, it, there are some surprises in there that uh, are a, um, a nice reflection on things that go on in today's society. Yeah. It's hmm. it's which Rocco was always good at doing that. And they, they touch upon it a lot. You know, I mean, the big theme, not to give away any spoilers, but the big 
theme for the special is dealing with change. Oh, okay. So definitely check it out. It's it's really good. And uh, we have gotten quite a few uh, emails about um, our upcoming uh, wrestling uh, debate, which is better, 80s wrestling or the Attitude Era. And I um, just want to say that that episode is going to be uh, coming up soon in the next probably month or so. We're still waiting for uh, Derek's um, uh, schedule to calm down a little bit. I got to get everybody coordinated. And then um, one evening we will sit down together and we'll all record the episode. And um, so if anybody else out there still hasn't sent in your email, you still have a little time. I'd give it about another week to go ahead and get your uh, your email in. And then we'll we'll go ahead and cut off the submissions at that point. And um, so, yeah, I think that's that's going to just about do it. So um, anything you want to throw out there before we go tonight? No, just be sure to follow the Parker Syndrome on social media, facebook.com slash the Parker Syndrome and at the Parker Syndrome on Instagram. And a uh, little less than a month away from the return of my solo podcast, The Derek Diamond Experience. I've um, already got a couple of interviews in the can, got some more in the works. Uh, and that will be returning on Thursday, September 5th. And you can follow that show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. Fantastic. Well, I don't know about you, but I am ready to walk out the door. Let me play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're at Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Get us back up to that $50 level and we will do those extra episodes every month for you. And if you can't get, throw us a buck a month go leave us a review wherever you listen to the show and you can listen to the show on spotify if if you haven't been listening to us there we can get a lot of downloads on spotify lately and uh so yeah i think that's gonna about do it for us tonight so derek please tell them what it's all about you can be my wingman anytime (laughs) i got the need the need the need for for speed. speed You blow!